Here now uh, from Paul's second letter to the church at Corinth uh, in the fifth chapter, starting with verse 16. From now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view. Even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view, we know him no longer in that way. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, and having given us this ministry of reconciliation that is in Christ, God has rec is reconciling the world to himself, not counting the trespasses against them, and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So we are ambassadors for Christ, since God is making his appeal through us, we entreat you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Y'all feeling new yet? Y'all you know, starting to feel new? I mean, we've been talking about new stuff for the last two, two or three weeks. You should feel a little new, right? Or how about this newness in your attitude towards others? Are you feeling any different about others? You know, some people have a really hard time with that. There's a, a man that went to a monastery and he was talking to a monk about how peaceful and wonderful it was. He, and the monk said, you know what the problem with this place is? The guy said, no. He said, other monks. You know? <laughs> You know, you know, people feel that way about folks in the church, and, and, and when we go out in the world, we say, this is such a beautiful world, it's too bad there's so many people in it, right? You know, there, there, there is some things that we have an attitude and a vision about, about people that makes things sometimes a little difficult, right? You know, the church has had a, a trouble with this, that we sometimes, as, as people of the flesh who occupy the pews, we don't see people as Jesus would intend them to see us. We, we don't see them from a different point of view that Paul was talking about. You know, the church of Jesus Christ should be the place where there is no prejudice, and, and we should be loving everybody and welcoming everybody and including everybody. But we know in the history of the church for over 2,000 years, there's been some times that we have failed in that, right? And a couple of examples that I'm very familiar with, and you probably may have seen some of these. There's a... a unfortunately famous picture set in the early part of the 20th century at a Methodist congregation in the front of the church that says Jesus saves, but occupying the choir loft underneath that sign are men in Ku Klux Klan outfits. In the state from where I moved, the former governor, George Wallace, was a Methodist. So was Bull Connor. Just as a side, I helped in George Wallace's funeral at First Methodist Church in Montgomery. We won't get into that right now. In a church that I know about, in the same closet where the choir robes were stored were also stored robes of the Ku Klux Klan. You can see why some folks in the world, when they see the church, they don't see this loving, accepting body of Christ. They see a judgmental, hypocritical organization. And right recently, in the conversation we were having around here, uh, we were talking about maybe relaunching a ministry that y'all know and enjoy. I won't talk about that yet because it's not out there yet. So we got some work to do. But when talking about the conversation, a young person said, well, you know, 
we don't need to be doing church talk or even reading the Bible at that if we're going to attract some of the people we want to attract because you see they have such a negative image of the church that they won't come. Friends, how did this happen? How did this happen that this church that it was following a Savior that welcomed everybody, beautiful song today sung by Michelle, how we, we have uh, this image of Christ welcoming all sorts of folks into the, into the fellowship, and yet there's so many in this world, and, and you, you've heard me say the t- t- statistics before, that's a hard word to say, uh, you know, less than 50% of the people in America are going to church now. How did this happen? Now, I think part of the solution is what I'm experiencing here at Boone UMC. I mean, uh, you know, you all have felt giving me so much love, and I feel that love like what happened yesterday. So maybe this sermon isn't for y'all, but maybe it's for me. But when Paul is talking about seeing people from a, uh, not an earthly perspective, from not a human point of view, what does he mean? And how do we get to that point? where we can see everybody, not as with human eyes, but with the eyes of the heart of Jesus. And maybe it starts with what Paul says, in Christ there is a new creation, and that's an ongoing word in the original language. They're being made new creation. The old has passed away or is passing away. The new is coming forth. You know how... That, that may be the, the secret to this for, for the church and for, for, for me. And as we talked about last week, you know, when we hear the words that we are a child of God, uh, that's, that's language, those are words that are always new, always fresh, something we, we love to hear. So how, do, how does this occur? How does this newness continue to happen? It's not just something that we do one time. How does this, how does this process of newness lived out in our lives. Well, you got to understand something. I'm a pretty simple person. You know, anyone that sees hot dogs as a gourmet food has to have something explained at the lowest level. And so I, I use analogies a lot. And analogy that is helpful for me in this, maybe for you, is thinking about a flower growing. My, my girls love to plant things. And so therefore, I'm doing a lot of digging. And they like to put things in pots. So I'm doing a lot of moving around of, uh, of these big, big pots of flowers and plants that they have. And what they do is they take a plant or a seed and they plant it within some soil. And they don't just leave it there, do they? They tend it, they water it, they weed it, uh, they uh, fertilize it. And it's interesting that this plant doesn't stay the way it was. There's something new about it all the time. It's growing. There's new flowers budding out on it. As they are tending to this flower, this plant, newness is happening all the time. And every now and then, uh, well, the, well, they see that the flowers have died on that, so they, they prune them off or they, uh, they uh, take off those old buds so that new life can constantly flourish within that flower, within that plant. What's well, the same with us in the life of the Spirit? God plants uh, within the soil of His grace, uh, the seed of faith within the soil of love and grace uh, of God. And cooperating with the Holy Spirit, 
we do things like read our Bible and say our prayers that, and, and that we, uh, we gather together in fellowship like we're doing now so that the flower of faith can constantly be new and grow. And then sometimes God prunes off some old things so that new life can come where dead uh, growth was, was occurring, where dead things are happening. And that way we can then see as Paul says, not from a human point of view, but we can see as Jesus sees things. Good example of what, how this happens is what uh, occurred in the ninth chapter of Matthew's gospel. There's Jesus going along the road and he encounters a fellow that everyone said was, an, was a traitor and an extortionist called a tax collector. And Jesus said to this tax collector, Matthew, you come follow me. Now, everybody around him, and I'm sure some of his other followers were saying, you're crazy. You're asking this guy? But that's what Jesus did because he saw not with a human perspective, but he saw Matthew as he could be. And then naturally, Matthew's excited about this, so he invites Jesus to dinner. And who does Matthew have at dinner with him? Other tax collectors. And no one could get this. The religious people said, what are you doing? You're hanging around with sinners. You're hanging around traitors and thieves. See, those religious folks could only see Matthew and his friends with these earthly, fleshly eyes, but Jesus saw them with the eyes of the heart. And it changed everything about his perspective, didn't it? He saw, as you've heard me say, Matthew as he could be. You know, that's what seeing the world with the eyes of the heart does. It enables us to see the world as Jesus sees it. Richard Rohr uh, put it this way in one of his recent devotionals. He said, Jesus says that I'm the light of the world, not so much that we can just see him, but by him we can see the world with his infinite compassion and mercy. We see him, and as we see him, we can see like him with this mercy and these eyes of love that he, he has for the entire world. Wow. That means as we see as Jesus sees, we can see people as what God describes them as in the book of Genesis, making people in his own image. We can see a bit of the divine in every human being. And as we, as followers of Christ, with kind words and loving deeds, we can help people see this bit of Christ that's in them too. That's what it means to see not from a human perspective, to see everybody as Jesus sees them. Now, sometimes this is mighty hard. Think about that. Think about somebody. I, when I think about myself, sometimes I, I wonder, how in the world is my wife put up with me, you know? It's hard sometimes, isn't it, 
to see people from this perspective. The Apostle Paul knew what it was like to love people despite what had happened to, to him. When he was in Philippi, he was beaten, arrested, put in chains, and yet in the midst of that turmoil, he was singing praises of God, he was released from prison, and instead of taking vengeance on this jailer who helped arrest him and probably helped beat him, he had mercy on him and shared with him the gospel of Jesus Christ. For he was following after what his own Savior did. Remember what Jesus said on the cross? What? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. But it isn't easy. It takes this newness being recreated in us day by day by day. You know what's going on in Afghanistan right now is a tragedy on so many levels. I know it's, if you're watching any of it, it's breaking your heart as it does for many, many people throughout the world right now. It's, it's so hard. And the other morning after uh, the explosion happened and the lives of our servicemen and many others were taken uh, from this earth so suddenly, so tragically, Alicia and I were uh, sharing our devotional time together and we began to pray and we prayed for those service members and their families and just, you know, thinking about uh, their mothers and fathers and, and wives and uh, husbands, you know, getting that knock on the door that no body wants to get when thinking about the sudden loss in someone's life and thinking about the sadness and, and the, the heartache and, and, and thinking about as, as these family members are seeing the, the, the chaplain and the other servicemen coming to knock on the door to tell them that horrible news, how tragic it was and they were saying, no, no, go away. And our hearts broke and we got emotional at that moment. And we prayed also for the families of all those innocent civilians that were trying nothing to do but get out of that war-torn country. And their lives were snuffed out like that. But then came the hard part. We prayed for those people that perpetrated that act of violence. Did I want to do that? No. Ed Glaze was furious with what happened. But when we were in our time of prayer, somehow, some way, God said, pray for the soul of someone who is so desperate that his last act on earth, giving up the gift of life, was to take the lives of others. Did I want to do that? No. But trying to see even those who perpetrate things like that through the eyes of, of love and faith, well, somehow we got to do that. Because if we don't, we will, in our own souls, become like them. So we pray that somehow, way, people like that can see the light of Christ and change and be instruments of love and peace like we hope to be. You know, we live in turbulent times, don't we? There's a lot of people yelling at each other. And there's some people I imagine that you have disagreements with 
uh, in their way of thinking and their politics or uh, just by uh, how they act. You, you know, whenever you think about someone like that, you say, oh my gosh, <laughs> you know, you got somebody in mind like that? I bet you do. Well, maybe you don't, but I do, I, you know. And so if you think about that, as God reveals somebody like that to you, if you have that, ask God to give you the grace to pray for him so that you won't become in your own heart bitter and angry. And so to this, that you will not cut off the new life that Christ is trying to have bloom in you. You see, if we hold any animosity, if we hold anything that keeps us from being instruments of reconciliation to others, we are cutting off the flow of new life that Christ intends for us in our lives. We cannot be made new or continue to be new. We cannot let the, the bloom of love flow in our lives if we are holding that in our hearts against anybody. Is it easy? No. It is extremely hard. And it can be painful. Just like I'm sure a plant doesn't like having part of it cut off so new life can flow from it. It's what we're called to do as vehicles and instruments of reconciliation. I have a man in my life that's like a second dad to me. His name's Bob. Uh, he and his family have been through some of the same stuff we've been through. But even before uh, that happened in our own lives, uh, Bob was just a dear saint to me, a, a man who uh, exuded the love of Christ. And in a Bible study that we're in, there, it doesn't sound better now. I got the mic in the right spot, right? Um, in a Bible study... Bob just shared honestly, and I don't remember all the context of it, but he, I, he did say, you know, I've been harboring a prejudice against this certain group of people. And, you know, I, God is saying, I've got to get rid of that and release it. And for over six months, Bob struggled and prayed and labored and asked God to remove that from him. And it took a lot of work and a lot of prayer a lot of examining himself. But over time, Bob came back to Bible study over six months later and said, you know what? It's been released from me. I, I feel like I can love this certain group of people and have no animosity or ill feeling towards them at all because of the way that they act. I feel like they could be my family. A few weeks later, Bob came back from Bible to the Bible study and he was glowing because he had been freed of this prejudice and released from it. And he said, you know what? I was driving along and I saw someone broke down on the side of the road that was this type of people, this group of people. And he said, by the nudging of the Holy Spirit, I pulled off the road and gave them a lift to the gas station so they could go get help. He said, six months ago, I wouldn't even had a second thought about passing them by. That is 
seeing people not from an earthly point of view. That is seeing people as Jesus would have us see them. And sometimes it's hard to do that, isn't it? But what Bob was able to do is let the new life of love bloom in his life. And it beautified the world. And he was able to share that love with others. I hope that can happen to you if you have anything like that in your life like I have in mine. Because as we do that, well, as it happened with Bob, it can happen with us. There's a joy there that can't be taken from us as we let this new life bloom in us. Carol Hoslander is a, is a, uh, was a mystic and a Catholic a theologian of the last century. And she described a time when she boarded a subway. And she said as she sat down, something mysterious and wonderful happened. She said it was as real as being a part of a a vivid landscape that I began to see everybody on that subway as as if they were Christ. She said, I I saw them with all their joys and all their sorrows, all their lives and all their dying. I saw them as Christ as having Christ in them. And she said, as I left the subway, I walked around in those crowded streets and I saw Christ in everybody. Christ here and Christ in her, Christ in him. And my life was filled with so much light. To see Christ in everybody. That is viewing the world not from a human point of view, but seeing the world with the eyes of our hearts. Imagine what your world would be like, what my world would be like if I saw Christ in everybody, no matter who it is, no matter their status, their color, no matter what they had done. Imagine if you saw Christ in every person how would your world be different how would you be different think about that so as we leave this place may we pray earnestly that we see this world not from a human point of view but we see everybody as Jesus would and if we do that Our world will be changed because we are changed because new life will perpetually flow in and through us. That's a promise, y'all. That's a promise. I want you to say this prayer with me. It's a short, simple prayer. Say, dear Jesus, help me to see everyone as you see me. Amen, amen, and amen.